0: Thanks for joining us this morning through this Facebook live feed. I'm told that if you'll share this page with your friends, that they'll be alerted just in case they forgot. We don't want them to miss this message this morning. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo, and this message is coming to you this morning from our empty sanctuary here at Faith Fellowship Church. Our sanctuary is empty this morning because our country's very capable leaders have asked us not to meet as a congregation in order to slow the spread of this coronavirus, and as good citizens, we're complying with that directive. Last week, I preached a message that has kind laid of laid the groundwork for this week's message, and so for those of you who were not with us last week, I'd like to give a little review. But before we start, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We give you glory and honor this morning. We ask, God, that you would anoint me to preach this word with boldness and simplicity and clarity, that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that can believe and receive. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. And we ask it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, we have to be careful as to who or what we listen to in the media right now because there's a lot of crazy things going on out there and one thing that seems to remain constant through the different media outlets and especially through the social media outlet is that there are basically two positions that most people are taking concerning the virus and this includes the church as well. I've noticed that the government is promoting for the most part the natural aspect of what to do in order to protect ourselves from this coronavirus and You know, like limiting our gatherings and washing our hands and keeping a safe distance from others and stay home if you're sick, sneeze into your elbows, and so on and so forth. And then on the other hand, it seems like the church has been promoting the spiritual or supernatural aspect for protecting yourself. In other words, don't change the way that you're living and totally rely and trust on God's word to protect you by quoting the scriptures of promise for protection. And so who's right, and what should we do? Well, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, one of the great generals of the faith, taught us that there's a ditch on each side of the road, and the safest thing to do is to stay in the middle of the road. And in other words, try to stay balanced. Don't go too far to the right, and don't go too far to the left, but stay in the middle of the road. And here's my opinion. Why don't we just do both the natural and the supernatural? His son, Kenneth, e, or Kenneth W. Hagen says that um, when the natural and the supernatural come together, it makes an explosive force for God. And if you're trusting totally in the supernatural, I commend you for your faith. But I don't think it's wise not to follow the natural guidelines set forth by the CDC and, of course, our government leaders. And I believe that we should do both, and let me show you why. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the Bible says that the devil took him up to the pinnacle of the temple or a high place on the temple, and he told him, Cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their arms they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And then Jesus, of course, answered him, and he said, It is also written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And, uh, you know, he could have jumped from the temple, and he could have relied totally on the supernatural, the angels to come and catch him and bear him up in their arms and bring him down safely. Or he could have just did the sensible thing, which he did do, and just not cast himself down. So, uh, in other words, don't do something stupid in the natural and then expect the supernatural to save you. You know, thank God we can believe the word for supernatural protection and supernatural things and miracles. And, but that doesn't mean you can go around licking doorknobs and expect God to protect you. How about we believe God, disinfect the doorknobs in our lives, and uh, keep our tongue in our mouth where it belongs? Another thing I've noticed is that it seems like this coronavirus caught the world by surprise, but it shouldn't have caught... God's people by surprise. Jesus told us concerning the times we're living in right now that there would be signs on the earth, distress, trouble, and anguish of nations, bewilderment and perplexity without resources that they would be left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, and not knowing which way to turn. And this is the exact uh, condition of the world today. The nations of the world are definitely distressed. They're troubled. They're bewildered. They're without Uh, necessary resources to combat this disease. They're embarrassed, they're in doubt, and they don't know which way to turn. And I thank God for the leadership that we have in this country, and President Trump, and Vice President Pence, and his cabinet, and his staff. They're making decisive decisions, and they're leading us in the right direction. And I believe that if we continue to pray for them, they're going to get us through this mess. But you know, the world is in fear right now, and You know, speaking of being bewildered and perplexed, I've noticed this on social media as well concerning the coronavirus. People are asking the question, is this a judgment from God? Is God judging our nation and the world because of the sin that's in the world? And, you know, uh, I just have to say this. This is my opinion. I believe I'm right on this. But I say the answer is no, this is not God's judgment on the world. I mean, God loves the world. That's why he gave his only begotten son, is because he loved the world so much. But, you know, uh, I believe God has already judged the world in his son, Jesus Christ, when he hung him on the cross. He judged us, put us in Jesus, and then Jesus took that to the cross, and he dealt with sin and judgment forever. If you're a Christian, you've already been judged. And Jesus told us in chapter 10:10 10, 10 of John, the Gospel of John, he said this, this thief, the devil cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And and you know that's how he rolls. But Jesus, he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly and that's how he rolls. Now here's what I believe. The devil's a bad devil. I hate to simplify it like this, but it will help you remember. The devil is a bad devil god is a good god and they never change places and that's how i roll and another thing i've noticed that really stands out even more than the coronavirus pandemic is the pandemic of fear that seems to have gripped the world and gripped the nation and gripped the american people and that's really what i want to talk about in the time that we have left is fear and everything i've said to this point was just my introduction I don't plan to take much longer, and I promise I'll be finished just as soon as I'm done. And besides, it's not like we have anywhere to go. I'd I, I like to teach this morning from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or a Bible apparatus like an iPhone or iPad or a Kindle book or whatever, turn with me and follow along with me in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And just to give you a little preface... This is God talking to Joshua as he commissions him to take Moses' place and lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now Joshua was a mighty warrior, and the battles that he engaged in and the things that he experienced are representative or a type of the things that we will engage in and the things that we will experience in our walk as a Christian. Conflicts with the world, conflicts with the flesh, and conflicts with the devil. Joshua led the children of Israel into 31 battles, and he only lost one to a small city called Ai. That little city sent Israel packing, and that's because disobedience and sin was found in the camp. And Joshua eventually purged the disobedience and sin out, and when he did, God gave him a rematch, and he totally defeated Ai. So there's a lot to learn from Joshua, and one of the first things we need to learn is that when there is sin and disobedience in the camp, you will never be successful, you will never be prosperous, you will never be victorious. We need to get the sin and the disobedience out of our camp before we face our enemies. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, God is speaking to uh, to Joshua, and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou, and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That word fail in the Hebrew language, which is the uh, original language that the Old Testament was written in, it means to not slacken, to not draw back, to not faint, or fall short of power. The word forsake means to relinquish or permit you to be destitute or alone. What a wonderful promise God made to Joshua, and he made the same promise to us. God said no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man. And that word stand means to place oneself in a stationary position in order to block the forward progress of another. As long as we continue going forward God says nothing can stop us. No man can stop us. No challenge, no circumstance, and no enemy. There is no weapon that man can use that will stop us. The prophet Isaiah said no weapon formed against us will prosper. He didn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed against us. He said the weapon would not prosper. Why? Because our God said that he will never fail us. He will never forsake us. He'll never slack and draw back. Uh, faint or fall short of power and then he said he will never forsake you or relinquish you and i found that word relinquish interesting it means among other things that he will never leave you resign from you walk out of your life give up on you depart from you pull out on you or abandon you and i know everyone listening to me this morning without exception has experienced relinquishment in your life to one degree or another. You've been relinquished by someone you loved and trusted. Maybe your father, maybe your spouse, maybe a sibling, maybe a close friend, maybe someone that mentored you. But at some time in your life, someone you loved and trusted bowed out. Someone walked out of your life. Someone departed from you or abandoned you. Someone gave up on you. And I know it hurt more than you can even describe. But I'm here this morning to tell you that our God will never relinquish you. He will never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never turn his back on you. And he will always be with you, and he will always love you unconditionally. I've said this before, but it's important enough to say again. Our God is omnipresent. And that means that he is everywhere at all times. And we must be keenly aware of God's presence in our life. We must be keenly aware that we are never alone. And we have to know in our hearts that God is always with us. And when you wake up in the morning, he's there. When you're primping in the mirror getting ready to start your day, he's there. When you sit down at the breakfast table, he's there. When you get in your car, he's there. When you get to wherever you're going, he's there. You can go to the furthest, furthest corners of the earth and he's there. He's everywhere at all times. You're never alone. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or the shadow of this coronavirus, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He's there. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Hallelujah. Even in the darkest times in your life, The the greatest challenges of your life. You're not alone. He's there with you. When I feel lonely, he's there. When I feel afraid, he's there. When I feel hurt and discouraged, he's there. When I feel abandoned, when I feel sick, when I feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, he's there. I never have to face my fears alone. And then God tells Joshua in verse 6 of our text, He says, be strong and of a good courage. Why? Because he's there. We can be strong and of a good courage because we know God is there with us. He says, be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. See, they're getting ready to go in and possess the promised land. And God knows that there are things in that promised land that are going to cause Israel to get into fear. And fear is our greatest enemy. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear will negate and strip you of your faith. Fear activates the devil like faith activates God. We need to stay in faith at times like this. We can't allow ourselves to get into fear. So he reminds us again in verse 7. But this time God tells us only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, all the word which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now God is telling Joshua and he's telling us what we need to do in order to prosper in this life. And then in verse 8, he said, This book of the law, your Bible, the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, don't ever stop speaking the word of God over your challenges and over the circumstances in your life. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt not just have success, but thou shalt have good success. I don't know what the difference is, but there got to be a difference between success and good success. I want good success. Yeah. So we're instructed to meditate on the Word of God so we won't forget it and so that we will become doers of the Word. Being a doer of the Word is what's going to make Joshua and what's going to make us prosperous and successful in life. God is exhorting us this morning to become doers of the word because prosperity is built into the word. Success is built into the word. Faith is built into the word. Victory is built into the word. So we don't have to worry about all these other things. All we have to do is know the word do the word, obey the word, and all these things will come about automatically because they are just built into the word. But it takes strength and courage to do the word. That's why God keeps uh, exhorting Joshua to be of good courage. Uh, It takes strength and courage because it's not easy to be a doer of the word. It's challenging to be a doer of the word. God asks us to tithe and give 10% of our income to the church. I mean, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the church has bills just like we have bills at home and in our household. You know, we have a mortgage. We have an electric company to pay, a gas company to pay. we got to pay for garbage pickup. All these things have to be paid for in the natural. And God's not raining down money from heaven. And so his way of getting this church financed and And his word and the kingdom of God finance and the evangelist finance is through tithes and offering. That's how he supports the church. But you know, it takes great faith. It takes great strength. It takes great courage to take 10% off the top of your income and give it to the church or give it to the ministry and into the kingdom of God. Uh, It takes somebody that's strong and courageous to do that. And so it is with all the word of God. Anytime you step out to do the Word of God, you are going to be challenged, and you're going to have to be brave and strong and courageous in order to step out and do the Word of God. St. James says, He who looks carefully, sounds like meditating, he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, the Word of God, the Bible, and is faithful to it and perseveres in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He shall be blessed in his doing, his life of obedience. It's the doer that gets blessed, not the one that hears the word and walks out and forgets it. It's somebody that hears the word, meditates on the word, obeys the word, and does the word. That's the one that's going to get blessed. And going back to tithing, God said that, He will rebuke the devourer for our sake. That's a wonderful promise to have the devourer in our life rebuked just because we're tithers and we give offerings. What a wonderful promise. Hallelujah. So, you know, it takes courage to do these things. So we need to meditate on the word, speak the word, obey the word, do the word. And then he says we will prosper and have good success. Then. No man. When you're a doer of the word, you're speaking the word, you're obeying the word, then no man, no thing, no stinking disease by the name of coronavirus would be able to get victory over you or defeat you. Verse 9, he reminds us again. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, are intimidated. Why? For the Lord thy God is with thee. He's there. Whithersoever thou goest, he said, I'm there. And again, God exhorts, uh, exhorts us to be strong and courageous. But this time he adds, be not afraid, neither be dismayed or intimidated. You know, when you're full of the word of God, it brings a strength to you. It brings a courage to you. It brings a confidence to you that can't even be explained. But you don't get intimidated. You don't get intimidated when the devil comes to you, whether he comes personally or he comes through a man. You won't get intimidated. Why? You're full of the Word of God, and you know in your heart God is there with you. Then he says, being, He says, Be strong courageous, fearless, and unintimid- intimidated, And, and, and the, the only reason we can be that way is because we know, we know that God is with us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to slack, and he's not going to fall short of power, and he's not going to leave us. He's not going to relinquish us. No matter what we go through, he's there. Hallelujah. And being strong, courageous, fearless, and confident, is not a suggestion or a request. It says that he commanded us. So it must be very important when we're facing our enemies, whether we can see them or not. President Trump calls this an invisible enemy. We can't see this enemy, but that doesn't mean we can't engage it. Yes, this is a natural disease and it's having natural effects on people, but it has a spiritual origin. The Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 6, 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, of the, the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, this is not a, uh, just a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And as a church, we, we fight invisible enemies all the time. And this one is no different. We have to pray in the victory before we'll see it in the natural There are some things that have to be done in the spirit first. And God is commanding us to be like this because when you're not being strong, when you're not courageous, when you're not fearless and confident without intimidation, then you're open to fear. And you can't be in faith and fear at the same time. And I can't emphasize enough the importance of overcoming our fears. I overcame a fear this morning to get in front of this camera. Uh, You know, I'm not going to let that stop me from speaking the word that I believe God gave me for my people. And and especially for our guests and our friends that are viewing this this morning. It's not just because of the coronavirus that you can't find toilet paper or canned vegetables. Uh, It's not uh, that the stores and the people in the stores are not in a panic because of the coronavirus. They're in a panic and you can't find these items because of fear. It's a pandemic of fear that is causing all this panic. And I was listening to a message from a good pastor friend of ours this Wednesday night. Pastor Don Atkins, he pastors Family Worship Center out in Lexington, Kentucky. And he was talking about fear and how fear opens the door and gives the enemy access to our lives. So you can see how important it is that we stay in faith, that we not allow the enemy to get us into fear regarding this disease or anything else in our life. We have to stay in faith at all times. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by our feelings. We have to walk by faith and not in fear. And he used as an example the life of Job and how Job opened the door to fear and allowed the enemy into his life. And God described Job in Job chapter 1 as a good, righteous man, blameless, and a man of complete integrity, a man that feared God and stayed away from evil. What a wonderful testimony. We should all have a testimony like that. And we should all... uh, you know, go around uh, living our lives so that we're so pleasing to God that he testifies for us. God was so pleased with Job that he had a hedge of protection around him and everything he owned. Job was protected by God. Anyway, one day the angels of heaven come before God, I I don't know, maybe to present themselves in worship, and the Bible says Satan came with them. And the Lord asked him, he said, where are you coming from? And Satan replied, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking back and forth in it. And the apostle Peter tells us that the devil walks about. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That means he just can't devour who he wants. He has to have permission to devour you. He had to have permission to test Job uh, he just don't have free reign in a Christian's life. Wow. And, and, you know, the, Peter said, didn't say he was a roaring lion. He said he was like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. That's a big difference. But this lion don't have no teeth. Wow. Amen. I know it ain't good English, but it's good preaching. And we can say it this way. This coronavirus walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom it may devour. And I just have this to say, Mr. Devil, don't bother coming to our church. Don't bother coming to our house because you may not devour us. What? Amen. Yes. Our people are may nots go somewhere else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, the Lord says something I thought was unusual to Satan. He said, hey, since you've been going to and fro on the earth, have you considered testing my servant Job? And the devil said, as a matter of fact, I did check him out, but I noticed you have a hedge of protection around him. His house and everything he owns is protected. I can't touch him. He said, but I'll tell you what. If you remove the hedge, let me get to him. I bet I can make Job turn on you and curse you. God said, you got yourself a bet, mister and so god removed the hedge and allowed satan access to Job's life but he put a stipulation on him he says you can touch everything he has but don't touch his flesh don't you touch him so even when the devil has access to our life god has limitations on him hallelujah and, and, and satan went to work in a hurry he didn't waste any time he had the Sabaeans raid Job's farms kill all the farm workers and steal all his animals. And then he created a lightning storm and burned up all of Job's sheep and all of his shepherds. As if that wasn't bad enough, Satan had three bands of Chaldean raiders steal all of Job's camels and kill his servants. And then the devil creates a hurricane that struck the house where all of Job's children were staying and killed every one of them. You talk about having a bad day. And I know it's hard to comprehend, but God does allow adverse circumstances in our life for the sole purpose of testing our faith and testing our obedience to see if we would obey him or not. And on the surface, it seems like old Job is down there minding his own business, being as righteous and good as he could possibly be. And God challenged the devil to test Job's faith. What did poor old Job do to deserve that? But let me, let me tell you something. If Job was so righteous, then why would God give Satan access into his life? And here's the point that Pastor Don made or brought out and that I'd like to make here as well. He pointed out in Job 3.25, Job said something out of his own mouth. And we think that's what got him in trouble. See, Job confessed For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. Do you see why it's so important to stay in faith and not get into fear? Because fear will open up the door to the enemy. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but Job was a good man. He was an upright man. He was a righteous man. He was a man that loved God and eschewed evil. But, The Bible tells us that Job was so concerned and afraid of his children sinning that he would make sacrifices for his children. So even though Job was all these wonderful things and he pleased God, Job had a flaw. And that flaw was that he was in fear over his children. And that fear opened up the door to the enemy. And it wasn't like God didn't have nothing for the better to give the devil to do but test Job. It was because Job was in fear and fear is what broke down the hedge that was around Job's house and all of his belongings and that is what gave the devil access into Job's life. Fear. That's why it's so important that we stay out of fear. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me. He couldn't have been in faith if he was in fear. And what I dreaded He not only feared it, but he dreaded it, and that opened the door to the devil. And Job wasn't the man of faith we thought he was, otherwise this wouldn't have happened to him. It was because of his absence of faith that allowed him to get into fear, and fear is what allowed Satan access into Job's life. Job allowed himself to get into fear, and fear is what opens the door to the devil. So don't get into fear. I I hear fear in people's voices and conversations all the time. You can tell that they're afraid of getting cancer. You can tell that they're afraid of uh, catching this disease. You can tell that they're afraid of falling down and breaking the hip. They're afraid of this and afraid of that. There's so many phobias in the world, I don't think they got a book big enough to hold them all. But there's only one God and there's one faith, and it will defeat every phobia, every fear that we could possibly have no man can stand against us no fear can stand against us and that's why when we get into fear we need the first thing we need to do is face our fears yes. i can remember a few years back i had a uh, you know had to caulk some windows on the third floor of my house i got the garage underneath then i have a, a first floor then i have uh the the third floor up by the attic and i don't know it's 30 feet off the ground and I borrowed this old rickety ladder, and the ladder was swaying and swinging and vibrating and everything as I went up it. And I got about halfway up, and I froze. I just couldn't go up, and I couldn't go down. And and I was just frozen in fear. And that's what fear will do to you. It will cause you to freeze. It will stop your forward progress. It will stop your forward momentum in a New York minute. Yeah. I knew then I had to get over that fear uh, if not for anything else, but to get back down the ladder. But I chose to go up. I said, I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus, and nothing's going to stop me. And I went to the top of that ladder, and I'll tell you, within five or ten minutes, I I, I hung on for a few minutes up there. In five or ten minutes, I was hanging over the side and caulking the windows and everything. I was confident. I dispelled that fear totally. That fear left me. I have never been afraid to get on another ladder. I was afraid of getting in front of this camera. I even thought about, let's just do a audio. Let's just put an audio out there. But I, I, I think that my sheep need to see me. I need to see them. Hallelujah. And they need to hear my voice and, and see where it's coming from. And so I said, I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus. And I, I was I was almost paralyzed right before I come up here. I, I know you couldn't tell it in my voice. But I I was nervous. And I. Uh, uh, in about five or ten minutes, because I faced that fear, I feel great right now. I don't feel all that apprehension right now. And that's what we have to do, no matter what it is. If it's a fear, you turn towards it, not run from it. You get right in fear's face, and you say, in the name of Jesus, you mess with me, you're messing with my big brother, because he's there. He's right here with me, hallelujah. So, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned or aware of this coronavirus. We should be, but we should not fear it. And that's why God kept telling Joshua to be strong, courageous, fearless, unintimidated. He's teaching us that our fears will open the door to the enemy and allow him access into our lives. And that's what will get you defeated every time. So I'm calling on us all this morning to be strong and of good courage. Uh, You know, there was all kinds of reasons Joshua could have been afraid. There was walled cities in the, in the land. I mean, Jericho was the first walled city he came to. And, and the walls were so wide they were impenetrable. The walls were so wide that they built houses on the top of them. It said that they could, they could race chariots side by side all the way around the top of that wall. It was a tremendous wall. It was a thick wall. And that's the first thing Joshua faced. And when he looked up, he seen Jericho's armies all around the wall. Don't you think Joshua had the opportunity to get in fear, to be afraid? But he didn't. He listened to God. God told him exactly what to do. He said, march around the city seven times. Don't say anything. Be quiet. Just march around one time a day for seven days. On the seventh day, march around it again. And when the trumpet, when the priest blow the trumpets, he said, tell the people to shout with a great shout. And when he obeyed the word of God and he did the word of God, the, the walls fell. He didn't touch one of them. He didn't set no dynamite or explosions, the walls fell by the power of God. Why? Because Joshua obeyed the word. Hallelujah. So that's what we need to do. So I'm calling us to be strong and of good courage this morning. There, you know, uh, there's more reasons to be courageous because we have the power of God, the presence of God, the promises of God. Joshua was was anointed to win and so are we. The Apostle Paul assured us in Romans 8:37, he said that no matter what comes your way, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. King James says that we are more than conquerors. What is it? How how could you be more than a conqueror? Isn't it enough to just conquer? Isn't it enough to just have a victory? How could you be more than a conqueror? How could you have a surpassing victory? Because the victories you have in God, you get to keep. Hallelujah. You don't have to go back to where you came and fight them again. I fought battles in the flesh like quitting smoking and quitting these things and that things and cleaning up my mouth. And I failed more times in the flesh than I can even remember. But when I did it in God's name and with the power of God realizing he's there with me, I did it forever and, and never looked back again. That makes me more than a conqueror. I not only conquered it, but I had a surpassing victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're anointed to win. So Joshua was equipped to win all his conflicts, and so are we. The Lord has good things ahead for us, but we must remember to be strong and of a good courage, not afraid, neither dismayed or intimidated, for the Lord thy God is with thee he's there great victories are ours for the taking god said if we march forward in faith no enemy can stand against us no man can stand against us no weapon formed against us will prosper and that includes this coronavirus hallelujah let's pray father we lift up and pray for our nation We pray for all our leaders, starting with the president and the vice president, his family, their families, the the cabinet, all of the staff, every senator, every uh, every representative in the House. We lift them up and pray for them. God, we break the divisive lines of Republican and Democrat and this and that and libertarian and independent. And we pray for them all equally in the name of Jesus, Lord. We don't want any harm to come to any of them. You even said for us to pray for our enemies. And so even the ones that we don't agree with, Lord, we lift them up and we pray for them this morning. That you would protect them, that you would keep them in great health. That you would give, especially our president, great wisdom, God. Reveal to him the strategies of the enemy, even if they're being told in the chambers of his own bedroom, Lord, you, you, the Word says that you can cause the president to know what's going on and reveal those strategies to him in advance, Lord. We pray for all those in authority this morning. You told us to. You instructed us to pray for all of those. Pray for all men, especially for those in authority. We pray for our governors and our mayors and our police chiefs and our fire chiefs, every elected official, every judge. We pray for them all in the name of Jesus all the way down the line, Lord. And we pray especially for our health care workers at this time. Every one of those health care workers, the doctors, the nurses, the assistants, the technicians, we pray for them all, Lord, and we pray that you would protect them and keep them. Lord, we pray for the sick everywhere, not only sick of this coronavirus, but sickness of any kind, Lord. We lift these people up before you because we know that you are the healer. And we ask you, God, to touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Bring healing into their lives. Bring hope into their lives. Bring health into their lives and comfort and peace into their lives once again. Give them the victory over the sickness and disease. And finally, Lord, we pray the 91st Psalm over everyone that's listening to us today, our church our churches, families, our churches, families, families, our churches, friends. We pray for everybody within the sound of our voice, and we not only pray this 91st psalm, but we declare that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High; that we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of the Lord, "You are our refuge and our fortress; our God, in You we will trust." Surely you shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Uh, You shall cover us with your feathers and under your wings we shall take refuge. Your truth shall be our shield and buckler. We shall not be afraid of the terror by day nor of the arrow that flies by night. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A 1,000 may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come nigh nigh our dwelling. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked, because we have made the Lord who is our refuge, even the Most High, our dwelling place. No evil shall befall us, nor shall any plague, no coronavirus, no plague of any kind shall come even near our dwelling. For you shall give your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. In their hands they shall bear us up, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. We shall trample underfoot all the works of the enemy, all the evils that the enemy brings to us. Because we have set our love upon you, therefore you will deliver us. You will set us on high because we have known your name. We shall call upon you, and, we, and you will answer us. You will be with us in trouble. You will deliver us and honor us. With long life, yes. you will satisfy us and show us your salvation. Yes. Surely, God, you're our salvation. We will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is our strength and our defense. He has become our salvation, Isaiah 12 and 2. Thank you for being with us this morning. We love each and every one of you. We appreciate you. Stay encouraged. Stay in the word. Be obedient to the word. Be a doer of the word. God has got your back because he's there with you. Amen. God bless you.